almost any company that's talking about digital transformation is at grave risk of irrelevance because digital transformation happened in the three months of, after COVID. Welcome to episode 85 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This is the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future. And as always, it's brought to you by Wanda and Patton. I'm Doug Folks, and as always, I'm joined by the CEO of Wanda and Patton, Claire Haydar. Claire, we are coming towards the end of our time with Anton Musgrave. He's a futurist. His company is Future World. What are we talking about in this last section of the conversation? So, Doug, if you think back to segment one, we looked at the foundation that is required for companies to be able to just step out of the everyday thinking into more strategic 20-year thinking. In the second segment, we went through the very practical frameworks, mindsets, those type of things that executives and their teams can use to go through this process to really reinvent themselves and reposition themselves for the future. And today we're going to be looking at some of the practical hurdles that companies have to navigate today. So it's almost like we stepped forward and now we're stepping back to the present day and saying, okay, what are the hurdles? What are the challenges that exist within teams and companies today that executives need to be mindful of in order to be able to stay future forward in their thinking? And I'm really looking forward to this. The conversation, um, you know, in segment one and segment two has been very rich with insight, very rich from a practical perspective and just enjoyable. Anton, you know, is a, a font of wisdom. This segment I know is going to be no different to segment one and two in terms of being very practical, but also very eye-opening. You know, he brings up things that people don't necessarily connect or think about. Exactly. Yeah, it's... Uh... A fitting end to a very interesting and enlightening hour. Let's uh, see what Anton has to say. I want us to bring the, full, the conversation full circle and talk about what we spoke about right in the beginning, which is executives are firefighting today. So I choose to take my company through this exercise that you've just laid out for us. You know, go into dream state, work back from a completely, you know, free non-boxed-in set of frameworks. And I'm now done with this beautiful exercise, which I can really say is a beautiful exercise to do because I've done it with you. How do I then go back into the business and basically juggle and balance this really, really difficult reality of firefighting every single day and actually starting to implement some of these things? Like, how do you do that in tandem? Because for me... One of the biggest things that I keep hitting up against as an executive, and I know I see this in our large customer bases as well, is the reality of there is a capital constraint. You know what I mean? Like it's, yes, we, we spoke about it in the beginning and said we shouldn't be using that as a defining factor in thinking through this future state. But you walk back into the office and there's a capital constraint. So now what now? Yep, yep. I guess the big thing there is, look, there is the hard reality of cash flow and, and bills to pay. The problem in many organizations is this kind of strategic foresight thinking, if you like, and preparing yourself for the future needs to happen when the company has a capability to actually go and do something about it. So the chances of success diminish when your back is hard against the wall for all the reasons that you've mentioned. So that becomes really, really difficult. 
So if you're in that category of company that's got your back hard against the wall, you need to make some investments or some new decisions because of this exciting ambition that you've got, it's really, really difficult. Then you've got to focus your team around a broad view of a, the destination you want to aim at, to mobilize their energy, to unleash their best potential within them, get them excited, and help everyone in your team to actually sort of just all hands on deck with the belief that what will come after this hurdle is worth the pain and the suffering because they believe in it, they can identify with it. So that's about all you can do in the short term. Then as resources free up, of course, your, your options change. If you're a company that's just done an M&A, for example, or you have a, a new leadership team, uh, or you have a tough you know, activist shareholder, etc., and you've got some resources, then obviously you can do a whole lot more. But it's not more of the same. It needs to be relevant for where you're headed as an organization. What we do is we look at a company's current growth rate and we develop with them their aspirational sort of 10-year ambition. And there's always a gap, a delta between them. And the question then is, how do I fill that gap? How am I going to create new lines of profit, new businesses perhaps? It helps me go from my current growth rate to my aspirational outcome. And how do I close that gap? I mean, one of the case studies I can share with you is we had a client in the media business with incredibly strong traditional media brands, very loyal customer base, but struggling. Obviously, the media world is difficult because everyone's pulling the advertising dollars, right? So the question is, we've got these assets, we've got these viewers, these listeners, etc., that are very loyal, they love us, but boy, we can't draw ad dollars anymore, so the business model is creaking badly. And we looked at this, uh, and we looked at that, and we said, we said, okay, so let's look at your marketplace, let's look at your profile of your customer base, and we we built personas around them, and we said, where are the gaps in solutions that they need? And, and one of the areas that came up was education for children and insurance, for example. But wow, we're in the media business, but hang on a moment, let's take your media brand loyalty, customer following, let's design a completely disruptive insure tech, edutech combination. And that's the interesting thing about this future is that you don't only find business opportunities in your own industry or in one area of disruption. Where areas of disruption combine, you get hugely exciting ideas. So you combine insure tech plus edutech. You apply a new design of a new business proposition and you leverage the loyalty in the viewership listener base of a media company, appropriately, obviously, and bang, you've got an instant success in a business you weren't in six months ago. And that's how you start this journey of morphing from your business of today, which you still run, you still sweat the cash cow, you still make the profits because you need to, but you start building that future relevant income stream at the same time alongside it. Anton, in your experience, have you found specific industries, you spoke about media there, are there particular industries that like, jump at this more readily and find it much more easier and say maybe certain, I would have thought maybe more traditional manufacturing industries find it much, much harder? And how do you sort of bridge that gap if there is one? So yeah, the answer to that is very definitely. I mean, the industries right now that are obviously, you know, printing money, one can't ignore the, the carbon energy industry, all the oil, all the oil majors have more money now than ever before. Uh, some of them are wisely reimagining their long-term futures and allocating the capital to kind of reinvent themselves over time. Not sure they're doing it fast enough, but yes, they are. I find the resource companies uh, doing pretty well over the last while 
Obviously, inflation and you know commodity demand has softened a bit because of global trade and so forth. But the resource companies are reimagining themselves. You know, we've been working with one massive international coal business that is building new businesses from green hydrogen plants to a new bio agri plants almost in the desert, if you like, uh, or in desert sort of areas. We are looking at, for example, one resource business that is building a, a PV a photovoltaic, you know, solar farm of massive proportions. But obviously, you can't store all of the energy, and the energy doesn't flow into the national grid in that particular jurisdiction very easily. So they're looking at combining that um, in the off-peak hours with Bitcoin mining operations. So harnessing that stranded energy differently, and so on. You know, and and these combinations today become possible. And if you do them at the right scale in the right way, the numbers start moving the dial. And but you've got to think differently, and you can't ask. A business of today, line executive who's responsible for quarterly production targets to have these kind of conversations, never mind actually commercializing and executing them. So you've got to create that capacity in the organization as well. You've hit on my exact thought that came to me as you were talking, Anton, is what you're saying is, is fully spot on, but it's not an evolution. It's almost like a, a whole new creation. And... That is a significant change management challenge because alongside this new change that you're taking the organization to, you're essentially churning out the old organization, which is, which is a form of trauma. It's a huge form of trauma. And so uh, one of the lessons that I've learned over the years is you don't do it in the organization. You do it alongside the organization. Yes. Because the corporate antibodies in the existing business will simply throttle this new crazy idea that might disrupt them. Yes. So, and many other reasons. So we won't go into that in this session. But, but that's how you do it. But don't underestimate the organizational change journey even in the business of today. For example, I said recently that if your business has a standard operating procedure that's older than three years, it's no longer relevant. <laughs> Fully agree. I'm laughing at three years. It's more like yeah. three months. Well, let's not be too scary. <laughs> and so I'm telling so, you, in startup land, it's three months. <laughs> no, startup land, I agree. But if I'm looking at your clients and your, you know, for yeah, example, exactly. and many listeners on, uh, on this podcast, anything that was designed more than three years ago, folks, you need to delete and start again. You know, almost any company that's talking about digital transformation is at grave risk of irrelevance because digital transformation happened in the three months of, after COVID, right? And of course, we don't live in an analog world anymore. It is largely a digital world, even in remote markets where you know rural communities have access to smartphones that are affordable. And so, again, that comes to one of the toxic assumptions. Ah, the assumption is that rural markets can't afford the data, etc. Well, that's toxic because data costs in rural India are plummeting. You look at Mr. Ambani and his mobile company called Geo offering the cheapest data rates in the world. That's in you know today, and in five years' time, it'll be free. So if you're designing a business based on that constraint, you will be out of business in five years' time. So the level of organizational disruption now is not to be underestimated. And then, of course, we've got the exciting business of tomorrow stuff on the sideline. Yeah, exactly. Anton, <laughs> we need to invite you back to the podcast many times over. <laughs> be delighted. It would be my pleasure. <laughs> Four very, very quick questions that I'm going to rapid fire at you and, and keep the answers quick as well. When was the last time that you had a conversation that just so fully immersed and absorbed you that you forgot about the world around you? 
I think it was on a beach in France uh, six weeks ago with a person who has a multiple outlet donut business. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's not that his arguments were full of holes, but <laughs> <laughs> just the, the stories he was sharing with me and the customer insights in his sector of the market, if you like, was just mind-boggling. And it gave one a whole new perspective on who's out there in society and communities, how are they living, what are they experiencing you know, and why they just love this damn donut that he makes. I <laughs> <Because laughs> love it. It's really interesting. And it comes back to my comment about the, the level of anxiety in the world. And there's nothing more than a little bit of goodness in a donut, you know, with sugar all over the top. But we spoke about people and humans and how so many human experiences are happening in the periphery of our vision. And some of them are scary and deeply sad. And some of them are incredibly enriching. And yet we are oblivious to them as we charge down this road, whatever road we're on. And that really rocked me a bit because I thought, wow, you know, it reminded me, Claire, I used to try and do something different every three months. And I went to a design conference once. The first scary thing was everyone there was about a third of my age and they all wore jeans full of tears and rips. And I found no one to talk to for the first two coffee breaks. And then I made myself get engaged with people that I would not normally engage with. And it was, again, one of those aha moments that rocked my own thinking. Podcasts and books. I'm not sure which one you you lean towards, but what are you currently listening to or reading? I'm currently reading uh, stories around uh, about Russia and the intricacies of the Kremlin and the thought processes in the Kremlin. So that's keeping me pretty occupied at the moment. I was just going to say, that is that is not <laughs> what I would classify as light reading. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's uh, no, it's not light reading, but it's pretty engaging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that I can believe for sure. Inside or outside? Definitely outside. Why? Fresh air and sunshine, my favorite. Yeah. Give me a, a, a howling gale, sitting on top of a rock, watching a crazy ocean. If you add a glass of wine, that's even better. But I don't need the wine to love it. <laughs> <laughs> and Anton, my final question for you is. What is it about the future that gives you the most hope and the biggest sense of excitement right now? Our children. Love it. I think we are scared because we come from, again, my word, the old world. And all of what we remember is being disrupted and challenged. Every dimension of life and society, from the church through to United Nations and all of those things, um, you know, and the things we've been speaking about. But I look at children and I'm talking about kids in the, in the range of sort of 18 up to 30, that sort of category. They're smart. They're super smart. They're unbelievably well connected. I mean, the technology is like oxygen to them. They don't, they're not uh, uh, constrained by the complexities of it. Uh, they see opportunity to solve for the big problems. And I think we have the answers or the means for the answers uh, to get the answers at the moment. Our problem as leaders is we're so constrained by our tradition and our grooves that we are deeply embedded in. But this next young generation are unconstrained, and I think they're going to solve all of the messes that we've created. I'm very excited by that. Amazing. That gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, fantastic. Great, great comment. Anton, 
Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure. Always. For a conversation that wasn't planned in advance, <laughs> it went very well. <laughs> well, hopefully you can make some sense of all of that. <laughs> no, we definitely will be able to. This is going to be a great yeah. episode. Anton, thank you so much from, from my side. Nice to connect again. And yeah, thank you for spending the last hour with us. It's a great pleasure. I didn't realize it was an hour. It felt like about six minutes. <laughs> And that is the end of episode 85 and our comprehensive look at the future of work through the engaging eyes of futurist Anton Musgrave. If you found this podcast of value, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Catch us on Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts or on Wonders website, wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, bye for now.